What's up, good fighters? Today is, first off, an amazing Tuesday. And, um, you know, we're bringing connection, intention, and purpose, as always. Dr. Nash, I just kind of want to, like, toot our horn real quick. That's what's up with you. Man, I, lo- I love Could connection, intention, and purpose. I-, I just love those three words, back-to-back, good fighters. I feel like, you know, fall in love with those three words, apply them in your daily life, and, man, your life is going to expand. I-, I-, I just feel like in every conversation I have, and maybe it's just because I'm a little obsessed with it, I don't know. I love connection, intention, and purpose. And every time I come back to that, I'm like, cool, if I can hit those three, I'm doing a pretty good job, right? But today, we got... Dr. Nash, a.k.a. Art Dealing, Innate Hearing, God Fearing, Subluxation Slaying, Wiling with his style, Master of his Craft. Dr. Nash, stop because you'll be sharing some beautiful words of wisdom from the Informed Choice Iowa event that he went to. Guys, I wish you guys could. Well, Dr. Nash, you're going to have to pull up this lineup because you already oh, yeah. know, based off the names that I was reading, that this lineup was going to be absolute fire. Yeah. And from the sounds of it, it was. So, uh, guys, I'm really excited for this one because he's going to be dropping some wisdom from what he heard over this past weekend. And uh, it's going to be good. Yeah. So, the Informed Choice Iowa, um, what is it? Let me see. I got it right here. Yeah. The Informed Conference 2021. Nice. Definitely something is going to be on my, you know, calendar for years to come. Yep. And, and for many reasons, it was just, huge event over 700 people from Iowa other people out of state too that just flew in for the event in general uh but people that really had the intention uh to really inform themselves on what's going into their bodies and the lineup man so came into it I I knew two offhand uh of the speakers so that was Dr. Patrick Flynn uh you know him very well Gates yes sir so I knew that going into it, I was really excited about his uh, panel and also Del Big Tree's panel, Ooh, two true. very outspoken and very on on point people. But um, the, I'm super happy that I was enlightened to a few of these other docs and people that were able to speak because they are phenomenal with the content that they brought. Um, so I'm going to kind of run through chronologically <laughs> how the conference went, have a few points that. Uh, case now we'll kind of touch base on but also uh, if anybody has any questions on like hey can you send me some of like the actual statistics again this is all written down in my chicken mm. scratch so oh boy um no nope. well just give me a cut me some slack so i'll try to do the best <laughs> i can i was trying to write really fast with the, right. the content from the slides or just from like what the uh presenters were going through but i'll do my best to get you guys uh basically the you know, nuts and bolts of kind of what was going on in the conference. Right. Real so, quick, I want to shout out real quick, Doug Nash. Each state, as far as I know, should have some form of inform- informed choice. I know Michigan has one. I know Wisconsin has one. And so maybe just look up if you guys are interested too. They all pretty run along the similar um, lines. So go follow them, go to their website too. You'll probably find some really good information similar to what Dr. Nash is going to share too. Based on your state, too. Cool. So I just want to shout that out real quick before I forget. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Because the Informed Choice Iowa, I don't know if they're all this exceptional, but half, I mean, it's it's all progressive, all for, you know, 
people sharing information that's going to help other people, whether you're mm-hmm. an MD, whether you're a chiropractor, whether you're uh, working in a pharmacy, whether you're you know selling shoes, whatever uh, your background is, they do a really good job bringing it from all different angles and really uh, uplifting people from all different backgrounds. So nice. Uh, I'm super impressed with uh, just their organization, their ability to to get some outreach. Right. Yeah. And the first speaker is Wayne Rohde. So he's the author of The Vaccine Court. Um, he's got a podcast right on point. And I would say his uh, panel was geared a little bit more towards the judicial side of vaccines and a little bit about certain programs that I don't know, maybe I'm ignorant, that I just was ignorant too up until today or up until the weekend. So um, he started off going through the PrEP Act, which many of us have heard or already know, but in 2005, the PrEP Act was passed, giving immunity to pharmaceutical companies, uh, medical device uh, administers, uh, drug manufacturers, all these people that potentially could be administering things that could harm people. And it gives them the immunity to, outside of uh, having willful misconduct, that they're not going to have any liability for damages. Mm. So fast forward to wow. 2020, in March 2020, the PREP Act was applied to the COVID-19 vaccine, and that is extended through March of 2024. So for four years, they are they have complete immunity to all damages except for willful misconduct, which I don't think is completely off the table. Um, so just keep that in mind for you know if you're a lay person, you know keep that in mind for your family members. Also, if you're a chiropractor, uh, that's good information for people to know too. In your practice. So, real quick, you said that it was from till 2024. Yes. So let's say let's say they take it off the market due to whatever. Mm-hmm. That means from now till 2024, if it was administered, doesn't matter. Correct. 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 That, that unless well, unless like the you know willful misconduct would be them applying applying it, even though the knowingly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That, right. that so we come back to that. Gotcha. Hey, man. Yeah, I, I, think, I think some of the information I got from this weekend, <laughs> willful misconduct was def- is definitely on the table. Right. Uh, but Prep Act was not designed for a global emergency. It really wasn't. But that's how it's being administered. So it's already kind of an abuse of power, right? And that's mm-hmm. a big, a big topic and theme that's been going on is an abuse of power. Um. But some of the other organizations that Wayne Rohde talked about were the CICP, which is the Countermeasures Injury Compensation Program, and the NVICP, which is the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program. I hadn't heard of either of these. Have you heard of these programs? Uh, The NVIC I have, but not the CICP. Okay. So the CICP, which... um, that one, uh, so there's some, here's some information on the CICP. Um, so it essentially covers possible damages and death, awards money, right? Um, funding is no public. federal program? Yeah, so funding gets no public disclosure. Uh, it's directly from Congress. There are no judicial appeals in this program. And the way the funding works is for every vaccine, they get 75 cents put into a trust fund. 
But the funny thing is every one of those vaccines, so every 75 cents is taxed. So it's only 59 cents per vaccine gets put into the trust funds. It's already like they're taking away money. Yeah, it's stupid, right? Um, But if you, let's say you file a claim under the CICP, there is no judicial process. It's all administrative. So it's just you versus the director of HHS. And if you have an appeal with the decision of the of the director, the appeal goes back to the same department. So it's like you're kind of stuck in this you know, right. hell of a system that just is a cyclical thing. There's no so, checks or balances for it. Right. So what you really want to do is if you are in this program, you need to try to find a injury or vaccine injury bar attorney and place an appeal that, that goes to the federal court of claims so you can get moved to the NVICP, which is a much better program. Um, so the NV, NVICP is a similar program, um, a little bit more transparent with how they handle their business. They So the damage awards are capped at 250000 So if you're making 250000 a year and you die, the only awards your family get are 250 k outside of like whatever life insurance policies you get, right? Right. Um, but let's say you're, so there have been kids who've been injured or have died from vaccines and they get much less than 250000 right. which is, to me, ass backwards. Because... Yeah, they're so not bringing have, money, but like they have this whole potential for life, right? I mean, that's just not so. Like, it, that's no it brainer. more or less works as disability based on what you're getting. Disability kind of. insurance, yep. Which, like you said, is dumb when it comes to kids. There's no, in my opinion, they should get the complete two fifty because their life could be ruined. Well, and they have. They're probably like the least, as far as COVID goes, especially. They are like the last people that have anything to worry about right as far as that risk population they're the lowest on the totem pole yeah the last i checked in all cases this was a month ago in all cases zero to 17 i believe there was only there was less than 600 deaths wow yeah it was 500 i want to say 83 don't quote me though but yeah um, that's what we're mandating right now. Yeah, literally, that's what we're mandating. Um, and it, so that program, a little bit more transparent with their actual process. So the three steps to required to transfer uh, COVID-19 for jurisdiction in the NBICP. First off, the ACIP needs to approve it, um, which I'm not even 100% sure what that ACIP is. Yeah. But then... Once they approve whatever uh, jurisdiction transfer happens, Congress needs to attach a tax to whatever that is. So I believe that's referring to the damage, uh, the damages that you are getting compensated for. So the Congress mm-hmm. needs to attach tax. And then the secretary, secretary of the HHS needs to publish intent in a federal register for debate, which takes 180 days. Then uh, they need to create a known injury profile table, which includes a two-year window to do that. So it is a very long thing to do, like process-wise. So that's why 
fast forward, um, the amount of payouts. So on average, before COVID per year, they had about total payouts, they had about $6 million in payouts. Since COVID, how much do you think they've had in payouts? What was your guess, Gates? Um, well, I mean, if it's that long of a process, is it the same or less? Yeah, zero. They've had zero dollars. Um, so that just kind of puts in perspective on like the the process of what that looks like going through and applying right. for something like that. So it's not great. Um, let's see. They did kind of get a good estimate on like the funding for those programs. So they found that the the funding for it is around four point six billion dollars. Okay. Now so so four point six billion is is a total or per year? I think that's total. Being put into no. this the NBICP, right? Yes. Um now they're they have like a they have certain funds allocated towards other things so the amount available for compensation is 4.29 billion i believe and the trust fund balance right now is at 4.1 billion so a lot of money left to be had there is a deficit um a huge deficit which is why there's such a big push for kids to get these vaccines um, at least that's what they were talking about, because if they don't use the money, then it's essentially like money that they don't get back again. Right. Mm. Um, so that's kind of like the numbers behind some of these programs. And um, they went into bears. So the, the, the big thing is 75% of the claims put into VAERS are all made by clinicians. So people try to claim that, oh, well, it's oh, yeah. anybody can put a claim in. Yeah, they can, but it takes like to even like submit one. The CDC reviews all of the uh, expert reports and it takes 30 to 40 minutes to file. So it's not like it's easy as like, oh, well, I'm just going to put in a quick little submission to VAERS. Right. Um, so that's something to keep in mind too, because a lot of the information coming out of bears is like eye opening to say the least. One thing that I want to hit on too with that in, in the eyes of, let's say I am more of the lay person trying to file a claim into bears mm-hmm. on my own, not a clinician based thing. There's going to be, in my opinion, there would probably be a lot of language in there that I would not understand that would be used as medical terminology or or anything like that and if it takes a long time add on top of that you know not to say that anybody out there is you know just fudging stuff up there i'm sure there's some people for sure but at the same time you know consistency wise and putting myself in the shoes i'm like yeah that would be really freaking hard to put i wouldn't want to go through that process if i was just like not you know you can't master scheming yeah and it'd be very evident if you're putting it in a uneducated like right piece of information right i want to i want to touch on it too because harvard actually did a great piece about theirs and how it's it's actual underreporting based on some of those statistics that you shared just because it is more of a you know it's not as maybe regulated but 
Um, but they did talk about how there's a lot, a lot of what's in there is, you know, there could be much more than what's actually reported. And so yeah. Harvard put Harvard put that out. I, I don't know. It's like you said, it's being dismissed. But if Harvard's talking about something like that and discussing how it could be actually underreported, then you know, we should take a little bit more notice instead of thinking that everything's perfect. For sure. And I mean, there's so many other like user-based uh, auditing or crediting or grading systems out there. Like even like, how many times do you, do you hear people talking about Rotten Tomatoes affecting their <laughs> desire to go, see, right? <laughs> right? Like um, Yelp. If it wasn't, if it wasn't useful information, then what's the point? Right. You know, what's the point of having people real life people give their feedback i feel like right. that's probably a better idea of what's of what we're dealing with or right. you know, how it applies to you um so the second doc was actually dr patrick flynn um which he kind of started right off with his story which i hadn't heard before about him and his wife mm, and i'm yeah. sure you know the story but right. um talks about the synthetic estrogen and the synthetic estrogen miscarriage prevention medication that his wife's mom was on yeah that led to her endometriosis mm-hmm. um, which essentially led to his uh you know dedication and his deep dive into hormones right. and understanding right. how hormones affect the human body um which i thought was amazing yeah um, that's information i'd never heard before because those are babies that are getting injured before they're born and I think that some of what, you know, he, so what he ended up going into is the gene therapy side of the COVID vaccine. Oh, cool. Um, but one quick thing that I didn't know, maybe you knew this, but I didn't know most hormonal birth controls come from pregnant horse urine. I did not know yeah. that. <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, the, the only reason I know that is because if you read his book, um, I disagree. Yeah, he di- he dives into that. Um, it's like one okay. of the first chapter where he talks about that. And the first time I read it, I was like, "Dude, the frig!" <laughs> like, yeah. if half of these women knew that, I think they would have definitely an issue with that. <laughs> for sure. Um. So yeah, that was like or really doctors cool. for that matter. Yeah, no doubt, doctors especially. So Doctor Flynn goes on to talk about estrogen, um, which I'm sure you could even. D- give us a little more insight on this case. I'm sure you're a lot more familiar than I am, but uh, estrogen is almost kind of like a blanket term that covers Mm -hmm. 10 different estrogens and talking about pathways for absorption, um, talking about chemicals blocking certain those or certain types of pathways. All stuff that like we kind of gloss over in school that I think is pretty dang important in the overall scheme of, you know, treating for some of these women that have been under birth control for years that yeah. they've got a lot of things going on that they really need help with that. Uh, well, one thing Dr. Flynn does really well too, is connect those dots. Um, yeah. Within, you know, we, we, for the most part, know that type of stuff. Um, although, you know, a lot of times in school, they didn't reference estrogen other than it being most solitary hormone. But like you said, it's more than that. It actually comes from a familial type of, um, basis and so what i find most interesting too is one way that we kind of treat it in our office or we look at it in our office is if you're not adequately either getting rid of those hormones or getting rid of or or uh processing it appropriately i can you 
to view it as a, a toxin to your body, mm. um, which leads to like a lot of issues, not only endometriosis, but breast cancer, different things like that. Um, the BRCA gene gets a bad rap, but in reality, it's, it's, it's a lot more than that. That can lead to that type of thing. Um, so, but he does do a really good job at connecting the dots and, and you know, bringing more to the surface than, oh, it's just estrogen, you know? And to the, to that point too, when these doctors, they, first of all, when somebody wants to go on birth control, they never test. And if they do, they only test a few things that aren't really remotely associated with its entirety. Yeah. They might test FSH or LH, uh, but not nearly get into the full stream of hormones that they need to. So, or the big picture, because the liver yeah. is associated with that blood digestive all that is is associated with it and, and no medical doctor gp is going to do that i think that message was hit home for a lot of people in the crowd that day because um, mm-hmm. like i said there's over 700 people there right and i don't know maybe 30 chiropractors you know like wow so not that's, a, that's probably new information for them too yeah so I, I, he finished off with uh, a few things talking about. Well, first off, I didn't know this, but DuckDuckGo, phenomenal search oh, engine. Prime resource, bro. You got to yeah. be using DuckDuckGo. Ditch the Google. Yeah, for real. Um, <laughs> What's, what did you have any more about what his uh, regarding gene therapy and the vaccine and any specific points that stood out to you? Uh, so, with the gene therapy, I think actually I got that confused with another speaker's content because they kind of blended gotcha. together. So gotcha. it was more from it was more from the, the speaker after him, which I thought after his uh, panel, I'm like, all right, that'll be really hard to beat. Like that'll <laughs> probably be the best one of the day by far, and it probably ended up being third best. Which, Dang. <laughs> which is a good thing because yeah yeah that's what uh, you want the speaker after him she was really cool um nice her name's dr lee Merritt, and i have her so she's got her own website it's called the medical rebel.com mm. and so she let me see so she was a uh, in private practice as an orthopedic and spinal surgeon for the and she served on the board of the Arizona Col- Arizona Medical Association, and she was the president of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. Right. Um, so she was very high up as far as like the medical community goes. She was in a lot of those rooms early on. Um, you know, she said she before COVID, uh, she'd met like. Fauci before and like you know some of their meetings and whatnot so very connected as far as that goes but her talk got very in-depth so let's see where I could even start Um, so she started off talking about uh, COVID in general so even the origins of it right so uh, multiple unbiased resources studying COVID origins of it the, it's got a 99.8% probability that it was a man-made bioweapon. What they found was there are no intermediate I'm hosts. I'm sorry. Hold on. 
percent likelihood. Man, That's they buy insane. Away. Yeah. Um, a couple reasons why. One of them, it can't reinfect bats, where they said the origin truly came from. Uh, no intermediate hosts and no pre-epidemic bank blood with COVID in it. So those were three like red herrings that like, hey, this is not like a natural thing. Um, so going into COVID itself, so all spike proteins uh, and attachments of the spike proteins were patented before 2018. So this has kind of been something that's been in the works for a while. Um, Patented by who? Uh, multiple entities, probably shadow government stuff, in my opinion. Um, people that are working for the government, but they, they are working for the government. Now, she talked about kind of how they are what what would be a good analogy for how they're essentially creating this this vaccine right so the way she described it is there's what we have like 36,000 genomes in our in our human dna roughly so they're essentially playing with in the silico genome they are manipulating 56.7 million genomes and trying to fit them into 36,000. So it'd be like taking like a 20 page paper, taking all of the words and deconstructing them to just letters and putting them in a bucket and then trying to reconstruct the paper from the letters in the bucket with nothing else to go off of. So like like it's just all guesswork, right? Um, And there's no isolated instance of somebody just having the virus. That's another thing that they found, which is kind of, kind of weird, but um, I'll get more into like the actual genomes, but I'm just kind of going off of what my notes where she was kind of going with their conversation. So they redefine those three, those three things. Yeah. Not, not reinfection of bats. There's no intermediate hosts. And there's no pre-epidemic bank blood. So nobody, like if there, you know, if it was a more natural disease and people that donate blood, there would be somebody somewhere expressing some sort of COVID in, right. in their blood before we knew it was a thing. Right. So essentially there was this immediate release of it, which is not natural. Like a big bang of the virus. Essentially. Right. Yeah. Um, but they redefine what a case is in 2020, which we which which we know they redefine what it means to even have it to mm-hmm. to be sick, right? Right. Um, and then also think one other thing: they FDA confiscates 30 percent of all ivermectin imports just to increase demand, and not have supply. So pretty crazy. Um, so what they have been doing as well to really pad the stats. Um, so in 2020, they basically, anytime anybody got COVID tested, whether you driving up to your drive up, drive in COVID test site or wherever, they would essentially, regardless of whatever your test is, they overcycled tests everywhere. So when they cycle them, that's kind of how they isolate what's in your your swab right and by overcycling them 
it basically makes it an inaccurate test altogether. You know, it completely skews the what they're picking up on because like eventually it'll flag it for something. You know what I mean? Right. So in 2020, they overcycled. So normally the cycling process takes like, I think it's like, I think it's about 10 cycles per, like that's like the standard. They would cycle them at least 30 times. And then in 2021, instead of overcycling, they've been undercycling. Hmm. And in, this is intentional. This isn't just like a few people here and there. It's just like across the board. So it's like, in, it's been something that it's been, you know, instructed for everybody this is the standard that you're going to be doing this in this specific way that has never been done before well correct me if i'm wrong but the who was the one were the ones that initiated that redetermining how many cycles correct oh for sure um so that that's just like something that from the top down they were already changing the the rules right they're redefining what what the standards of operation are to meet the to meet their their needs which is always a red flag she went into the policy of the new american or well so this is a book but it's called policy for the new american century and in it uh this was written early 2000s and it was kind of a a book i think dick cheney's in it, a few other like higher political figures they talk about literally specifically using genetic warfare warfare as a political tool. So it's not like a a foreign concept. It's not a conspiracy theory. They've talked about it in public before. Like, um, and I'm sorry, like it's, it's the term global elite has this, uh, you know, tinfoil hat uh, association, but it's really not even a thing. If you truly understand (laughs) the hierarchy of uh, what the world looks like. So right. this is something that those people have talked about before, and it's been talked about for some time. Um, wow. And Project Larry Ford, he essentially, um, he researched how to turn ordinary items into biological weapons. And more specifically, I think he was a member of the CIA, um, really researching how to turn, uh, you know, using the like what they did was they essentially had this hit out on this person and how they decided that they were going to get rid of them was they uh put i don't know some sort of material on this guy's shirt that it would basically permeate through his skin kill him and then within the system it would uh disperse and it would like you know uh it'd be like kind of like it would break down itself. So it basically would be untraceable. Right. Right. But you know, as all things go, didn't go as planned. The guy gave a shirt to a different guy. They killed the wrong guy. Um, Project Larry Ford, look into that one. Self-disseminating genetic materials. So that's what they're looking into. So, mm, uh, so yeah, it would biologically break down before it would be able to be tested essentially. Yeah. It was like cause of death. Oh, well he probably just had a stroke. Right. Or something right. like that. So, um but we're ending this entering a synthetic biology age which i think a lot of these self-disseminating genetic materials are something that are um gonna be used against the people but and i'm sorry if this is getting uh already depressing or humdrum but i promise there's some good stuff in here 
Um, <laughs> but it's important to keep in mind some of the tactics, just overall tactics that were used at the start of COVID. They were right. synonymous with prisoner of war tactics that they used to um, basically break people, mentally break people. And the first one is locking somebody down. And the second one is monopolizing their perception, which, you know, with COVID. It's happening. <laughs> literally, like that was the MO. Don't leave. Yeah. Like the actual term of lockdown, that is a, a prison term. Not a yep. term, a public term. Mis- and the, the deletion of misinformation. Yeah. To monetize or monopolize that perception, like you said. Yeah. There's people um, that I know that I recently had a conversation with that was, I was sharing some of the stuff happening in um, Australia, Canada, Austria, things that they had no idea about. They don't, they didn't know. And it's not like I was bringing it up as like a, uh, like an argumentative tentative type, like tone. I was just yeah. letting them know. Yeah. And they were like, they were like, what? And I was like, you've not heard this. Like, how have you not heard this? I know. I've had that conversation too with people like literally in like a, a group chat with my friends, like they literally have constant, you know, it, and they want it to sound like, Oh, they're not doing that. It sounds extreme concentration camps. Call it what you want. A concentrated camp of people with that they consider unvaccinated and dangerous in, in Australia. Right. I don't know how it's well, I mean, sugar coated for somebody, but that is what it is. The, the recent Austria just came out with basically their, new guidelines for those that are unvaccinated and dude they can't do anything right they can't do anything that's literally one step from putting them into a concentration camp it, it quite literally is um, so i've got some pretty big points here from the end of dr lee Merritt's talk so in 10 months so there have been more deaths in 10 months from one vaccine than all others combined over 31 years. That's that one. That was one of the ones that I like started and highlighted that as like, I don't know, even like if you're super for it for yourself, totally cool. But like, you can't look past some of these statistics for the sake of everybody else. Uh, but she goes into talked about gene therapy. That's where I got to mix up with her. Gotcha. So <clears throat> virus or bacteria based gene therapy started as a huge problem for anybody that is immune compromised. So actually the argument that if you're immune compromised, you need the vaccine, which is really just gene therapy, mRNA therapy. Right. It's actually contraindicated for people that are like that right. because it, it started as genetic cancer therapy for, for, like breast cancer and ovarian cancer that's how the the technology started and um essentially what they're finding for distribution of the vaccine in the body they talk about it oh it's balanced you know you get shot in your arm and it goes you know all over your body all your skeletal muscle but they found that since it's derived from that uh that genetic cancer therapy that it's 65, 64 times more concentrated in ovaries than in skeletal muscle. Yeah. So this is something well, that is not, go ahead. I was just going to touch on the fact of this is where people get in that argument of, um, you know, it potentially 
hindering reproduction. And, yeah, yeah. you know, we, we don't, you know, I'm, I'm not sure on the statistics of that or not right now. I want, I would suspect that in a couple of years we'll see, but even more so I want to hone in on that, why that's important based on the immunocompromised people is because if you start manipulating genes and changing genes and making the body um, recognize it as a improper entity within the body, a foreign entity within the body that needs to be destroyed, but you can't destroy it, then it'll quite literally become a cancer or it'll quite literally become a thing within your body. So for, for those of you listening that might not know why that's so important is because if you start genetically modifying your genes and they keep replicating based on improper cells and your body doesn't have a way to kill it like it normally would, then that becomes a huge issue. And ovarian cancer is a huge issue. Yeah. If it's depositing into the ovarian, the ovaries, I mean, forget about re- reproduction. Maybe the, the females will be able to reproduce, but the more they use those tissues, the more those genes get manipulated. Later on in life, you're going to see a whole host of a lot of ovarian cancer that's going to skyrocket simply and, based on that fact. And that's just in the ovaries that you're talking it, about. And that, yeah, exactly. And that's just like ovarian things. They go right. into antibody-dependent enhancement too, which I think is what they talked about is probably one of the greatest threats that uh, humanity is facing probably ever. So mm-hmm. I'll get into that here in a little bit too. That was more from Dell's talk, but still really, really important. Did he, um, did he touch on autoimmunity at all? Uh, I mean, kind of. It's, okay. I want to, I want to uh, touch on that real quick too, Yeah. because yeah. for those of you who don't know, look up, look up the definition of autoimmune conditions. Okay. It's literally when your immune system attacks what they view as, re- uh, as healthy cells. Right. Yep. So they, uh, the and when I say they, I mean like the medical community believe that your body's actively making a mistake, but here's the deal. If you are, because when you get this mRNA vaccine, it doesn't, it's, it's not like other vaccines where it's maybe a piece of the virus or uh, a, a dead portion of the virus or whatever. It's changing your cells, okay, to produce a spike protein on those cells, similar to that of, of the COVID-19 or of, of SARS-CoV-2 cell, okay? Yeah. So it's literally taking your healthy cells, transferring the COVID and making it produce a spike protein, and then your body's immune system then kills that cell. Repeat that again. It, okay. If you're getting the vaccine, okay, it's going to be genetically modifying that cell to produce the spike protein, okay? Because again, it's not like the other vaccines that we have where it has a piece of the virus. It's making your cell itself produce the spike protein and your body recognizes that then as a foreign entity. So you had a healthy cell. So let's just say the, a healthy cell in the ovaries, right? A normal cell. The vaccine comes in, that mRNA attaches to that cell to make that ovarian cell produce a spike protein. Then your immune system kills what was normally a healthy cell. That is literally the definition of autoimmune condition. When your immune system is attacking a normally healthy cell because it because it was changing, but they're causing the change. They're causing autoimmune autoimmune reactions within the body. Um, we'll come back to that. Yes. Okay. Cool. No, I just think it's yeah wanted to 
kind of reify it, but right. um, <laughs> I will come back around to it because that that's essentially uh, what Dell hits on for sure. So gotcha. Okay. Um, two other things from uh, Dr. Lee Merritt. So there is this, you know, essential, essentially this group, this group think collect collection of people that are making all these, you know, advancements in society and technology, but for things that are literally going to be our downfall or that could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of them she talked on, his name is Magnus Olson. And he's one of the developers of 5G. Dude, that just sounds like a super villain. <laughs> no doubt. Absolutely. And all Agnes Olsen. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, wow. 5G weaponry was used in the Gulf War. And essentially it was designed to have reaction with helical structures that would resonate with hair and it'd make it feel like your body's on fire. So in the Gulf War, they'd use it to like you know, disperse a crowd or to like deter people from hiding in a house it would essentially turn these 5g sonars on this building and you know disperse people now that was in the 90s right they had the technology to do shit like that in the 90s what do you think they're doing with your phones the 5g stuff that the 5g towers right and if it can target helical structures and you don't even know about it like they could even just like two percent we're gonna start working against your helical structures and make you a, a less uh solid human being you know what i mean um so that was just one thing that she hit on or one guy that she talked about Uh, well into that point too a lot of people are like oh 5g i'm not sick i'm not dying you know they they forget about the long game the long-term potential effects of not only 5g itself but toxicity in general yeah people think it's recognized as safe well all right drink that every day for you know for 20 50 years then you have a disease presentation that will take place because chronic inflammation will always produce that and your body will never adapt because it's constantly over over inundated with that stressor yeah it's a bombarded 24 7 yeah so i really recommend anybody that has wi-fi or has like a even if you have like 5g on your phone or anything like in your house or apartment wherever you spend the most time make sure that your technology and stuff like that i understand people need it for certain things but make sure it's just, you know in a different room or somewhere else where you can at least have less intense saturation of that yeah um, there's a lot of resources too like q-link um provides self uh, mm. it's like a necklace um oh cool there, there's certain signs out there on crystals i haven't dove too deep into that and not like Ooh, crystals but like actual i don't know how they build it but something how they build it that can take that down so look up the science on that guys yeah um so moving on to dr paul thomas he is a pediatrician out of i think oregon Mm -hmm. and his story was he developed this uh what did he call it i want to make sure i get it right the uh, the book that he wrote. So basically, so he's a pediatrician, uh, you know, standard pediatrician, and he kind of developed his own vaccine program that hmm. um, 
the vaccine friendly plan. Okay. So he had his own in-house research that he did and he had his own you know, vaccine friendly plan for vaccine. Cause nowadays, if you go, you know, the pediatrician, they're prescribing like, I don't know, like 40 vaccines for your kid in like the first, probably at least two years. And you know, you're getting, your kid's getting prescribed a hep B vaccine. That's a sexually transmitted disease. I don't think your kid, right. your, your, your baby needs to get, you know, that toxic stress induced to their body because all of, you know, that's the other thing that comes back around to, these are all chemicals. None of these things are things that you naturally are. It's not like you're injecting your body with like some mushroom spores or like, you know what I mean? Right. Like these are all chemicals, right? So, not naturally degradable by the human body. So that was his thought process. Well, I know there's some good with vaccines and that I want to, you know, I just want to do some of the ones that I think are, you know, kind of like the, the important ones, the rest of them, you know, we won't do them. And he started doing that for a while uh, for multiple reasons, but then he had brought this unbiased researcher and was like, Hey, I kind of want to do some uh, measurements on some of the, the kids in the clinic on, you know, our vaccine, our friendly vaccine schedule versus the, the traditional schedule. And basically the findings were ridiculous with the amount of aluminum and response mm. and also prevalence for uh, his, uh, let's see, his people that were undergoing his vaccine friendly program versus the traditional program. So for instance, um, this is on his website, by the way. So for asthma, um, I wish it gave me the full amount of people in the study, but um, it's it's undeniable. Again, um, pieces of information about the implications of the traditional vaccine policy of things that are necessary, causing right. things like, or I guess it should be prevalence, asthma. So for after 3,000 days, um, I don't know. I'll I'll share this with you, Gates. It's yeah. Pretty Dr. Hard Peter to Thomas, it. right? Uh, Paul Thomas. Paul Thomas. Right. Yep. And his website is doctorsinscience.com. Um, so he had no. really really good co- good content. Um, everything no, under this. Go ahead. Sorry, I was just gonna say one thing that we can link up with that too is that. Um, Project 180 Vaccines, mm. if you go to both of those resources, I think that it is project180vaccines.com, I think, or just duck, duck, go that, or Google it, whichever you want to do, it'll pop up either way for now. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think people forget that when we inject these babies, like you said, with chemicals, and I want to go on the record too, formaldehyde in a vaccine is not the same as a naturally occurring formaldehyde that you might find in a food component. Um, there's a lot of differences with that. I'm not going to get into the biochemistry of it, but let's, you know, for example, you have a, I don't know when the first administration of vaccines are, I forget, but pretty sure it's within the first six months, obviously. Yeah. There's, you have a baby who's less than six months old and many of them, well, all babies, how, how long have they been using their liver? which filters out every toxin that comes in your body, right? They've literally used it for a, a, such a small amount of time. Do you really think that it's ready to take on 
the chemical component within a vaccine, regardless of its dosage, on top of already what else the mom toxic load was already. And then when we can get into the brain, blood brain barrier, anybody out there, do your research on when does the blood brain barrier form? Nobody knows. So when you talk about the aluminum and and just the components of the vaccine as a whole, that's directly going into the bloodstream, directly going to the brain, filtering out through all those tissues, organs, cells that are inside the body. And we wonder why we have so many illnesses today. It's, it's again, it's not just a one-time exposure. You have to cumulatively think about it. You have to think about its link up within the mom, the mom's mom, their toxic load. How are we supposed to reach homeostasis? We can't. The allostatic load's too high right now for a lot of people, especially put on the stressors of the world and, and everything like that once they're however old. Talk about allostatic load. Um, he talked about the infant mortality rate and 30 to 70% of the first seven months of life of a child within their first year is spent in a toxic state of aluminum, of aluminum saturation. So, I mean, that's just like, again, another situation where you're just creating this environment for your creating this huge obstacle for your innate intelligence to have to overcome. Uh, right out the and, gate. Yeah. And you're supposed to be developing. I do want to point out to the resiliency of babies, given that fact too, the resiliency of an egg, given that fact for a lot of individuals at that time to adapt. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And, and a lot of, and I don't want to use that as like a, a crutch for the vaccines because there's still damage being done, but guys, you, your body is powerful even when it does come into contact with it. But at the same time, why, why, you know, play with fire in that way, you know? Sure. One thing that, he did was he brought up his doula her name's Didi, and she actually went through something really cool where she talked about how you can kind of traverse um, discussions with family members at holidays whether it be christmas or thanksgiving in a way that you're not going to be defensive or you're not going to be you know um, agitated or you know you want to talk to somebody from a place of love that's what she started with which i thought was really good but the steps that you should try to do when you come to these events, especially not as a chiropractor, but as somebody that's more of a layperson that you can share with your, with your, whoever the members in your practice are, or just people around you. Number one, have some extra expert info ready. So have, have the knowledge and be the expert because if they haven't heard it from you, they probably haven't heard it at all. Right. But, you know, have something printed, have some facts ready for somebody. You know, those are things that are, that's an important thing. Save it on your phone. Yeah. Save it on your phone. We have a whole notes app guys. Use it. Um, and number two, advocate that you care about them and that's why you're sharing it with them. You you want them to make a decision that what's best for them and that you truly just are sharing because you care. And then number three, a personal story. Um, I think at this point in time, if you feel a type of way about vaccines or COVID or whatever, you probably have a personal story, uh, whether that's <laughs> yours uh, directly or maybe somebody close to you has one. But um, having a personal story that goes with it, because I think that goes a long way. I think you can even, you know, even as much censorship that's going on right now, you and I have transferred back and forth people's Instagrams where they tell their own story and you can see the damages being done. Yeah. And, and seeing that is like, dude, you, you can't look at that and be like, vaccine is flawless. <laughs> like you, you can see it in this person's life being disrupted. 
Those yeah, are great points. She, yeah, she did. She did great, man. Um, she really kind of brought it back around to this is how you can be empowered as you don't have to be a doctor, but this is literally how you can nice. approach conversations in a way that you're not going to have fists flying at Thanksgiving or, right. you know, you're not going to. People need to hear that too, you know? Mm -hmm. Sorry, I keep interrupting you, bro, but. No, you're good. I, people I need to hear that. Because we've been so pushed down, I think, for so long from from the mainstream that it can get frustrating. Yeah, um, people need people it. can get pretty polarized. So right, um, right. always kind of come back around that you know you're doing it from a place of love, and mm. you know some people aren't ready to hear that message. And that's cool too, but right. understanding that for the people that are ready for a different message, that that's that's a pretty powerful impact you can have in somebody's life that you can not just impact them, but you know, their, their kids too. So Dell's uh, talk, he started talking about the world economic forum and right off the bat, I didn't know this, but they, at the world economic forum this year, they had like six talking points. And the first one there, so the world economic forum is essentially like, a global meeting for what all of like national leaders, what the goal is or like what their agendas are moving forward for the next 20, 30 years. And this by one 20, that just took place. Yeah. Like a couple months ago. Yeah. Actually. And all of the themes that came out of that are basically themes that are anti-American, which take that as you want, but, Literally, they are trying to, you know, destabilize America. One of the things was one of the uh, points, one of the six points they had, this is at the World Economic Forum, is America will no longer be a superpower. It was like one of the goals. Like America's there, you know, like President Biden was there. Obama has been there. Like that is like a goal that they have, right? What the hell? Yeah, pretty wild. Pretty wild. Um, and... I didn't write those down. That's really easy, accessible online. They had a video for it and it's just absolutely bonkers. It seems like it's out of a movie, but they like stamp their approval on that guy and send it out and people are behind it. Some people like that stuff. So let me start watching is real real quick because some of you guys might not care if America is a superpower or not, but in reality, what that really means is us being more controllable. Yeah. You guys got to put that together. That's at the end of the day. That's what that means is us being controlled by something that is not brought up with American ideals, does not live where we live. And at the end of the day, it is us being more controlled by others, not ourselves. Yeah. Zero uh, independence, which is what we were founded on. So that, that was just like set the tone for it right away. That it was Dude, like that's our, crazy. Uh, yeah. it's And, you know, coming off of uh, Lee Merritt's talk too, where she, she even got into talking about um, some people with the New World Order. I mean, we talked about Magnus Olsen, but uh, Jordi Ro Rose, he created the D-Wave computer, which the D-Wave computer is what they predict is going to be the self-actualizing artificial intelligence coming in like 2040. That's what they predict. But this D-Wave computer is essentially creating fake online people. And that's why, I mean, Twitter is already a small community. It's like maybe a couple million people, which in a billion, billions of people on the planet, it's nothing. Right. But they found that like 
millions and upon millions of like Facebook accounts and whatever, all these different social media sites have, they're literally just fake people. And it's hard to mm. understand how far reaching that those are shifting, not just, you know, social views, but like they they push you know, talking points and uh, agendas in certain directions. And it's all based off of literally people who aren't even real. Right. I thought that was pretty actually, wild. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that because I actually just saw a thread the other day that actually was discussing that very topic. Mm. Um, and it was more in regards to Facebook's recent metaverse. Um, yeah. And it was talking about how, you know, what if metaverse isn't so much of a a, a place where you go, but it's it's a moment in time. And they discuss metaverse being this moment in time where people they literally view and see the electronic world or or the AI world as real life, essentially. So oh yeah, uh, watch Surrogates if you haven't seen that movie. Yeah, and so that would be metaverse. It's not this this app like we go to right now where it's Facebook. You know, it's no. it's this time and place where we physically do not have anything or connect with anybody unless it's through AI. And I, I think that it's, I mean, there are things that they, and I'm not trying to bag on it because I mean, I get some of it's just like for entertainment, which for sure, but you know, they, they create all these movies and all these types of entertainment that you, you become more associated with things that aren't physically real. Right. So I, I think that's just another step in that direction that they're trying to disconnect people from a human experience. Absolutely. So going further into Dell's talk, he kind of talked about the difference between what is like so SARS-CoV-2 and COVID-19. Those are two different things. Right. And they use that as a kind of like a political word game to kind of maneuver their way to get what they want. Um, and more specifically... Um, so there was like an interview, I think it was with Anderson Cooper and Anthony Fauci talking about, um, so he like asked like, so does the SARS-CoV-2 vaccine prevent people from getting sick? And he's like, I mean, so they use, so SARS-CoV-2 is essentially what HIV is to AIDS, right? Right. So that right. is the true virus in COVID-19 disease. Correct. Yep. And a lot of people don't understand that itself. And it, they try to make it confusing. They want people to be confused because then they just listen to the authority. Well, they said that right. this does this and this and this. But really, you know, it doesn't stop infection. It doesn't stop transmission. It can't create herd immunity. And what they've tried to do is they tried to change the definitions of those so it fits into those categories so they can mass implement it. So, um, they found that there's no difference between vaccinated and unvaccinated in viral loads for SARS-CoV-2. It's a big, big take home. Um, and he went on to Gert Vanden Bosch. Have you heard of him? Probably not. No, that's my boy. I've talked about oh, him before. Okay, sweet. So I did Facebook yeah. Live about it. Oh, sick. Okay, so he talked about him a lot and you know, essentially this guy's been you know, screaming from the rooftops from day one that don't take this vaccine. Do not do this. Like stop 
please stop implementing this. I will. So he's a scientist. Um, he is basically probably the guy when it comes to uh, vaccine research, uh, vaccine development. And, you know, he's one of his biggest fears is this uh, the vaccine causing antibody dependent enhancement or immune enhancement or pathogenic priming causing that cytokine storm that leads to antibodies attaching to the virus and assisting them into the cells of the the human body, which uh, with the swine flu vaccine in 2009, that's exactly what happened when they had like 50 or 60 people die and they had to stop the the trials altogether. Um, If anybody wants more information on that too, go to my Facebook page. Yeah. Um, I put that up there too, uh, but I labeled it something different something about the immune system, just go look it up <clears throat> because yeah. And he's being painted as an anti-vaxxer dude. Oh yeah. <laughs> he worked, he worked with the Bill and uh, Melinda Gates uh, foundation for vaccines and being painted as an anti-vaxxer right now, just because of this one vaccine. Yeah. Pretty wild. Um, but again, that's, that's the, you know, that's another person that has no skin in the game other than like they know how bad this is, could be and can be going. Yeah. Um, but, you know, basically all of the modified RNA uh, sequencing, it's all computer coded. So they just code in a lipid and it creates those modified spike proteins that you were talking about earlier. Right. But it's computer coded. Right. So. Right. It's not, again, it, this isn't like an attenuated virus. It's not an alive virus that they capture and inject into you, which in theory, maybe that makes sense. But no, it's it's none of that. And they change the definition of what a vaccine is. You know, they change, they change definition to fit their narrative, which is most Orwellian 1984 thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, one of the last couple of stats here from Dell. So obviously we've heard about like the heart injuries in children. This comes from the CDC. So um, in kids age, ages 12 to 15 after second uh, vaccination, they were 3.7 to 6.1 times high, had a higher likelihood of having a cardiac adverse event. Having a heart attack from 12 to 15. Yeah, you're tripling or sextupling your chances. Three to six times more likely after did it was it dose specific? Second. Second. Yeah. Dude, that oh my gosh. Yeah. Pretty and you wow. know, one of the biggest topics right now is obviously the kids and it's like requiring it for school, requiring it, you know, really you should get that to be safe for everybody else. And like Bro, oh, it's literally not that at all. It's literally the, wor- the least safe thing you could do as a kid. Right, right. Um, Regardless of your stance prior to this, you need to wake up on yeah. vaccines. Obviously, Dr. Nash and I have our own, but I, yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, that's just the mind game. And there's yeah. a lot of people we talk about all the time, but a lot of people are waking up. And they're like I said, there were that's 700 true, people there. Um, all That's, ages, um, all backgrounds. So that was really, that was really empowering. It's um, amazing. Yeah, it was a really good conference. I really want to, I wanted to share a lot of the takeaways I have from it. That wasn't all of them, but um, I really want to encourage people to reach out to their informed choice 
their informed choice Wisconsin's, their informed choice Colorado's, informed choice mm-hmm. wherever, informed choice Illinois. If they, I doubt that, informed choice anywhere. <laughs> um, because you know these are the people that are just like us that want to um, have the freedoms and ability to make their own choices on what's right for their body. And be ethically inclined to your medical decisions. Informed choice is a medical necessity, guys. And it's not being, it's not here right now. It's just not. And and it doesn't, you know, it's, it's something that we still have the power to maintain, but it's something that we could easily, you know, if we drop the ball, something that we'll never get back. Right. So uh, that was essentially all I had from the conference, brother. So do you have any final thoughts for him? Oh man. Um, I think, I think like you, the biggest takeaway is guys start putting these types of notes down and research it and find it and save the link and take screenshots and just compile, like literally compile a whole freaking USB or file of this type of stuff because you are always going to have the naysayers, but you're also going to have a few people where they start to hit this, this time period where they're conflicted because they thought it was going to be one way and it's not ended up being that way because like take, you know, my um, in-laws, for example, they both got the vaccine and now they're pissed that they have to get the booster just to do things. And they feel like they just are, they're, they keep pushing the boundaries back, right? The goalposts. Yeah, so if you yeah. don't get the third booster and you've only had one and two, well, you're unvaxxed now, right? Yep. They're that's one other thing I was going to hit on. I forgot about that. Sorry. Oh, no, um, no, no. That's good. Because I, I think that's a really important thing to make somebody aware of that, especially even if they've had a vaccine or they've had the second one, it's still not too late to like stand up for what you think is right. 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 Um, yeah. Don't just keep getting it just because they get it. You're right. They, they, they literally, this is what they've already been doing from day one. They keep changing the narrative. They keep changing the definition of what it means to be vaccinated. So, you know, let's say I get vaccinated. Uh, there's a lot of personal stories this weekend and some really heartbreaking ones. Oh. And um, one woman, her dad got the vaccine, got, went home, did not feel great, did not wake up and had to absolutely stomp her feet to get them to do an autopsy and they found that he had so much brain bleeding they couldn't even determine where it came from and mom turned around um, a couple weeks later felt so pressured got the vaccine went to the grocery store or the same grocery store she got it in passed out Um, grocery store didn't call an ambulance pharmacy didn't call an ambulance grocery store worker that happens to be a family friend called her to come get her mom who was passed out in the store gets there goes to the pharmacy hey i need to find julie smith she's you know like we don't know who that is like already like they don't really care okay wow. and they she found her in the bathroom on the toilet drooling like um she's recovering mm-hmm. but so essentially if you die within two weeks of getting the vaccine you count as an unvaccinated death and yeah. um, if you die within two weeks of getting your booster shot unvaccinated, now it's three weeks or now it's third shot. So like all these things that you keep, you know, they keep pushing the goalposts back on what it means to even be vaccinated. You know, right. one and two, you, you get the, the Pfizer and you get the Moderna and then you get the Johnson and Johnson. Now, you've got, now you got three different combinations of chemicals that 
they've got absolutely no research on how they interact together. Yeah. Working through your system. And if you die within two weeks of that third one, you're unvaccinated. And it's they just will absolutely change the wording to support their legislation when crap does hit the fan. Yeah, there's just zero accountability. Other zero, than it's zero accountability. other than it's your neighbor's fault or whoever is around <laughs> you's fault that doesn't have it yet. Right. It's these wacko chiros out here that are anti-vaxxers. Get the frig out of here. Yeah. Well, anyways, my, my point in that to say compile stuff together because you never know when someone's turning point is going to be yep. when they have an internal conflict and you can simply just say, hey, I care about you. Here's what I found. Let me know if it helps you if you have any questions. And let them determine their own conclusions based on the logical points that you've presented. And if they have seen and have a personal story that they can connect with, more than likely, they're going to change their opinion. And we need more fighters on this side. Absolutely. Um, growing every day, though, you know, just keep spreading that good yeah. word, good fighters. Um, keep fighting that good fight like we always talk about. And if you're getting those rounds in, let us know. Because we definitely are in this fight and we're always stronger together than apart. And uh, we are not alone. That's the number one message that we are united. So uh, you know where to find us at the underscore good underscore fight underscore errors. I'm at DC underscore Nash underscore T and at Gates Mayor underscore DC. Um, appreciate y'all. Leave us a review. Leave, Leave us, us a, review. a review. We'd love it. Uh, share us with a friend if you are so inclined and stay tuned for next episode.